Hello everyone, my name is Ryan and you are listening to The Vegan Report. To begin 2024 on a good note, I wanted to share a short conversation I had on the topic of micro-sanctuaries. Have you ever heard of the concept of a micro-sanctuary? It's a relatively recent trend. Basically, the idea behind it is that you don't need lots of resources or space to provide sanctuary to animals who would have otherwise been mercilessly used as commodities. It's a powerful concept. And to help me learn more about it and its implications, who better than a micro-sanctuary owner? So today for a special micro-episode on micro-sanctuaries, I have with me the amazing Jessica, who is behind the farm micro-sanctuary. Welcome to the podcast, Jessica. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So my first question for you is, what is a micro-sanctuary? Your sanctuary is called the Farm Micro-Sanctuary. So what is this concept all about? So the concept of micro-sanctuary is that um, we don't have to be a a big uh, sanctuary to do uh, good work. We don't have to have acres and acres of land. In theory, being a a micro-sanctuary is as little as rescuing one animal into sanctuary. Um, It allows for more people to be able to take in small amounts of animals, which then helps free up bigger sanctuaries um, to do their work uh, as well. So it's just, it's a numbers game. It's being able to help as many as you can. Um, Micro sanctuaries can be 100% uh, self-funded. Uh, they're not necessarily a, a 501c3 a nonprofit. They're just somebody who wants to make their bit of difference in the world. And there is a lot of diversity of micro sanctuaries out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are micro sanctuaries for um, what they call pocket pets, you know, hamsters, guinea pigs, um, rabbits. Um, a lot of times there's a lot of chickens. Um, a lot of times it's chickens, um, and it can be any animal. I think every vegan out there has fantasized at least once about opening uh, our own uh, sanctuary. But I guess we think, oh, I'm not in a rural area, and I, I need a lot of lands. So I feel like a micro-sanctuary is the answer to that problem, to that struggle. Yeah, absolutely. And and that was that was really what started um for me was just um you know, I I went vegan and I and I did want to make a difference. Um and so we just started really small. Well, I want to talk about your journey, but first I would like you to maybe give us a tour of your own sanctuary. I want to know how big is it? Um where is it located and who are the the animals that you're sheltering right now? Yep. So uh, we're located in Larwell, Indiana. It's a tiny little town, about 250 people. Um, I only have four acres here. Um, Not quite four acres. Um, I live right on the edge of town. Um, The journey for for me started... um, Probably in 2019, I uh, I took in my first goat, 
Um, we now have 45 animals total. Um, and that sounds like a lot, but 22 of them are chickens, so they don't take up very much room. Um, we have two horses. Uh, one was my own horse before, and um, and then we took on another one, and then a pony. We have a pony who lives here, and then we have 13 goats, uh, six cats, and a dog. That's impressive. So how did it start? How did you... Um, become vegan and then decide to take the leap to opening your own sanctuary and doing more? Uh, so I was vegetarian for years, um, a long time. And I worked um, in a veterinarian clinic as a technician uh, for several years. And at that time, I rescued a lot of cats. Uh, there's always cats in need. So um, I rescued cats. And then as the years went by, uh, I took in my first goat, Lucas, who we still have, and and two of his brothers who have since um, passed on. Um, and I just fell in love. And about that time is when I went vegan as well. And so um, <clears throat> it started with just, hey, I'm going to do what I can. Micro sanctuary, I can do that. So we just started rescuing um, little by little. I, you know, I added another goat and I added a, a family of chickens who lost their home due to a zoning violation. They weren't allowed to have chickens. Um, so we, um, we just kind of grew. And then um, in 2021, I was big enough that self-funding was getting to take a lot. Um, and I wanted to still be able to grow. Uh, and so that's when I made the decision to go ahead and apply for the nonprofit status and become an actual um, 501c3 sanctuary so that we could take donations. Um, and and I still don't make anything off of the sanctuary. The sanctuary is 100% uh, volunteer ran. We don't, none of us get paid anything. Um, but the sanctuary animals, uh, their food and everything is has been able to be paid by donations now. I want to know more about the kind of work behind running a sanctuary. So um, how many hours do you devote to caring for uh, the animals? <laughs> okay. Uh, so my day starts at 4 a.m., 4.15. I get up um, and from then until 7.30 is uh, taking care of animals. So feeding, watering, uh, cleaning pens, cleaning um, stalls, uh, making sure everybody's good for the morning. And then um, because I don't get any money for the sanctuary, I then go to my full-time job. Uh, so I work eight hours a day, just like everybody else. Um, and then I come home and I spend another two or three hours uh, doing the same thing over again, cleaning, feeding, making sure everybody's good, any medications, any special needs. Um, some of our animals are handicapped, so they require a little bit more attention. Um, and then, uh, and then we, I have a handicapped goat that lives in the house. Um, so then I usually spend an hour or two with him at the end of the day to make sure he's getting all that he needs. So um, I finally go to bed at 10 o'clock. <laughs> That's really impressive. And do you have any help 
Uh, you talked about volunteers. Are there people who uh, have volunteered to help you? I have a couple of volunteers. So I have one, my, my next door neighbor, um, who is a huge supporter. Um, she volunteers almost every day. She comes while I'm at work to check on the handicapped goats, make sure they're okay. And then she helps um, with part of the chores at night so that it doesn't take me quite as long. Um, and then I have a couple other volunteers that come um, once every week or so as their schedules allow. Um, and then also my um, high school age niece uh, is very passionate about it. So she volunteers whenever her schedule allows to. That kind of work can be hard and it takes dedication. What is the driving force behind it? Um, well, <laughs> it. So I've always been an animal lover, and and seeing these animals that they've all come from not, not all, but most have come from bad situations. Um, seeing them happy and relaxed and safe, um, it, that's everything. Um, but and and also it's I guess you know we know that by going vegan uh, we make a huge impact environmentally. Um, And so, um, I, and, and we try to advocate for, uh, veganism whenever we go out, um, to events or anything, um, and advocate for, um, you know, what we believe in. And I, I guess part of that is just my little bit of trying to save the world. <laughs> well, that's the goal of this podcast is to help or inspire vegans to do the extra step to to be more than vegan because we need it animals need it and yeah this is how you decided to to contribute to the fight for animal rights now right. why why are sanctuaries important to have it's important because so many people there's such a disconnect between people and 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 what, where their food comes from. Um, when we go to the market in Fort Wayne, the big city nearby, um, we go to the farmer's market in the summer and we take our handicapped goat uh, to, to greet people. He's very social. He loves people. Um, so um, he enjoys it. And, and a lot of people have never met a goat or they've never um, really thought about it. Um, so we have a lot of good conversations, uh, with people because they just don't, they don't correlate an animal to what they see in the grocery store. Um, so having a sanctuary and having people follow along and posting pictures or videos of the animals, it's important because it helps people make that connection and see that these animals, Um, want to live and they are full of character and emotion and and smarts um, so it's it's important to help uh, spread that awareness I absolutely love this argument I think that it is better to show people than to argue with them online or something like that I think it's more powerful I did an entire episode on the vegan festival of Montreal and just The idea of taking a non-vegan and immersing that vegan in a vegan environment is, I think, more convincing for our cause than anything else. So I love that 
aspect of it. Yeah, it doesn't, it, it, a lot of times if you use numbers, the numbers are so large that it's not really comprehend. It's hard to comprehend. Um, And so it's easier to ignore for most people. And if you argue with them, then of course you're a militant vegan. Um, (laughs) And so I find that um, we try to we try to take a more positive approach um, and really highlight the animals. Um, that's part of what was so great about having Jack, our goat, at the farmer's market. A lot of times we were somewhere close. Our booth would be close to a booth selling uh, animal flesh, um, which was disconcerting um, from my point of view. But it also opened a dialogue with several people that went, Oh, Hey, wait, you're doing this, but that person over there is doing that. And maybe we, you know, it, it opened some, some channels of conversation. And what is it like to be vegan in a rural area? Because I have seen a, a trend online <laughs> of many vegan influencers deciding to live uh, a rural life, a self-sustaining life and then they stop being vegan because I guess the environment in which they're in is just not propitious for a vegan diet or they don't get uh, social support. I, I don't get it, but yeah, can you tell us about what it's like it, to be vegan far from the city? It's not easy. Um, I mean, I'm lucky that Fort Wayne is about half an hour away and we do have a lot of vegan options there. Um, and in the grocery stores, it's getting better. We can get a lot of vegan stuff now that even five years ago you couldn't get. Um, it's hard though, because I live right smack in the middle of deep ag. Um, there's a multi-million dollar uh, dairy uh, two miles down the road. Um, there's hog farms everywhere. There's uh, a huge egg producer um, the next town over where they have lots of those big long sheds just crammed full of chickens and it's heartbreaking. Um, so it's it's hard because you know that you're, you're outnumbered, right? Um, but you just do, you just do your thing and, and, and keep at it and hope that you plant a seed somewhere. You're not going to win them all over, but you can at least plant some seeds. But there is something beautiful uh, thinking about how you're this ray of sunshine in the middle of this darkness. Um, I don't know. There, there's something beautiful to it. Yeah. I, I try to be that way. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, you know, I'm the only sanctuary in a, in a pretty big uh, area here. Um, the closest sanctuaries from me are a couple hours away. Um, so I'm the only one. Yeah. I, you know, it's autumn right now and this is the season when all of the many of the um, people who adopted backyard chickens will get rid of their uh, chickens. I've already, um, I'm already um, noticing ads for, you know, getting rid of their roosters or other chickens that Mm -hmm. stopped laying eggs because many people here in Canada don't have 
um, um, the the adequate um, you know place to to keep the chickens for the winter. They have no right. isolation um, and, and things like that. And that's also the time when a lot of sanctuaries here in Canada are just they they cannot get take any more uh, residents. And it's heartbreaking, uh, the situation that it creates. So I wonder, Jessica, what kind of obstacles um, does someone who starts a sanctuary encounters uh, in everyday uh, life, but also, you know, during the uh, different seasons? Um, so you're right. Uh, certain seasons you get more requests. Um, I've already had a few requests about chickens. Unfortunately, um, at this time we're closed. So to new intakes, um, we're full until I can, um, you know, until I can develop more of a volunteer program uh, and, and bring in more volunteers. Um, there's just not enough time in my day <laughs> to add more. Um, so that part's hard because you just want to help them all. Uh, it, it's heartbreaking to say no. Um, the different seasons have their challenges. Um, winter here um, isn't as cold as Canada, but <laughs> we still get uh, pretty cold, uh, sometimes snowy. Uh, so that obviously adds work. Um, you know, I'm lucky that we have really good, uh, we have, four barns um and i'm able to at least provide some heat source in in three of them um so you know we manage that pretty well but if it snows that's extra work it's extra shoveling it's harder to get around it's harder to haul the hay around you know all of that so it's extra work um plus the animals are inside more so it's extra cleaning um and then in the summer, um, you deal with the heat. So you got to keep everybody cool. Uh, we run fans 24 seven. Um, and then on top of that, I try to keep a garden for fresh produce for, for them. Um, and sometimes me, uh, but mostly for them. So there's that to manage, uh, mowing, uh, because we do, uh, we don't use any, um, any kind of spray on any of the ground here. I don't allow any uh, chemicals. So for weed control, for noxious weeds or invasive weeds, um, we mow. Uh, so there's always mowing to be done and cleaning up, you know, all of that. So um, each season has its own challenge. Um, this season, fall, right now, we're, we're dealing with walnuts. We have about 12 walnut trees on the property that are dropping nuts like crazy. And um, obviously we can't just leave them for the horses to stand on or potentially get hurt on. And same with the goats. So um, later today I'll be out picking up walnuts. <laughs> yeah, because I'm thinking about the listeners who are thinking, oh, what if I start my micro sanctuary? And I want them to know that there are big challenges to starting that sanctuary it's not um it's a big responsibility to take so what what would you say to them 
Um, I would say go volunteer somewhere first. Um, typically, that's the best way to see what sanctuary is really about. Um, because even even as a micro sanctuary, even if you're taking one or two animals, you wanna you wanna know like what the idea of sanctuary is. You wanna give them the best care. You a lot of times you don't stop and think about. Um, you know, what, what about if they need a vet? Um, do you have, you know, like an avian vet nearby if you're going to have chickens? Our closest avian vet is two hours away. Um, so that can be challenging. Um, then also you got to think about uh, funding. Um, what if there's an emergency? Are you going to be able to afford the right kind of care? Um, and the other thing about sanctuary is it's not... It's, it's for their whole life you you you're committing to depending on the animal potentially um 10 or 20 years um to to giving this animal their best life um so it's a it's a real commitment yeah it's not like um a dog that could follow you if you move out of your house you need to take full responsibility for their entire life so, uh -huh. yeah, it's a big commitment. You talked about funding. Now, you are present in uh, on Instagram, and I will leave a link in the description for people who want to see pictures of uh, your sanctuary. And I guess one way to support you uh, in your mission is to uh, give you money. So... How is your experience of fundraising uh, for 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 your sanctuary? So fundraising is the hardest part. Um, at least it is for me because I'm a very independent uh, person and I've always just done things myself. So suddenly becoming a nonprofit and going, oh, I have to ask for money. That's what it means to be a nonprofit. Um, asking for money is hard. Uh, it's not fun. But um, we do it because that way we can we can do more. We're able to, you know, give them the best of everything that they need. Um, my handicapped animals, you know, sometimes a wheelchair breaks or we just had a, a orthopedic brace made for the pony. And, you know, th this stuff takes money. Um, so we um, we fundraise a lot on social media. We are on Instagram, as you said. We're also on Facebook. Um, I have a TikTok account. One of my board of directors actually runs that for me because I don't know how to TikTok. <laughs> um, and then we also have Patreon. Um, so those those kind of donations are really important because they're um, recurring and we can depend on that money as our basis or, you know, their standard care. Um, so that's all important. Um, and then, um, you know, there's other things too. Volunteering time helps tremendously. Um, volunteering item or donating items. I have some uh, people who visit and every time they visit, they bring animal crackers for the animals or, um, bleach or cleaning wipes or something that we use um because that helps tremendously it doesn't have to be a lot it's just every little bit adds up and helps us um do everything that we need to do 
That's amazing. And there is a book, it is called uh, Asking from uh, Gerald Panas. And I always reference that book and recommend it uh, for uh, people who start a fundraiser. Uh, okay. It's an essential to how to ask for money. And uh, he goes in great length uh, describing uh, why it's so hard to ask for money and what you can do about it. So it's a great, uh, you know, key book. So Jessica, did you want to add something before we end this conversation? Um, there's so I think, uh, I think micro sanctuaries are important. Um, I think every little tiny sanctuary that starts um, takes a little bit of pressure off those animals that are just um, in dire need. Um, and there's so many different kinds of animals that, that need us to do this. Um, you know, we, we ended up going more towards handicapped animals. Um, we have uh, several goats in wheelchairs. We have a handicapped chicken, a blind chicken. Um, there's just lots of opportunity to to do it and do it on a scale that you can manage. Um, there's lots of resources out there for micro sanctuaries. There's actually an organization, uh, microsanctuary.org. Um, they actually will do grants for micro sanctuaries to help uh, with like getting that shelter made for your uh, residents um, or um, fencing or medical. Uh, they have medical grants as well. So um, there, there are options out there, even if you're not uh, a, a 501c3, that you can get help. Yeah, and I will add uh, uh, the link to uh, their website in the description. Yeah, and you need to be creative. I mean, how do you care for a blind chicken or a handicapped goat? It's not like there is a how-to guide online or something specialized on that i mean you need to to invent you do um so with with especially with the handicapped animals there's and especially handicapped farmed animals um there's not a lot of a lot of uh previous history of of helping them um you know the veterinarians just haven't had that um put in front of them. Farmers don't want to spend the money on a handicapped animal. That's, that's a loss of profit. So, uh, sanctuaries, that's the other, the other amazing thing about, uh, about sanctuary is we're pushing, um, that field to explore these, you know, these options for these animals. And we're furthering the science for them just by demanding that, that same standard of care. Um, for these animals versus, say, your dog. Um, so that's um, that's really a, a, an important thing. And also something I forgot to mention. I guess animals come to you, the animals uh, in need of help. Uh, you don't have to go looking for them. There are so few sanctuaries out there that... Yeah, you, you will always have uh, a demand for uh, sheltering uh, animals. 
Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's so many that need help. Um, you know, all the sanctuaries, big or small, um, routinely have to turn them away because, you know, there's, there's not room for them all. So, um, there's always room for, for more sanctuary. Amazing. So thank you so much, Jessica. This was a great talk uh, with lots of information. I hope it motivates people to maybe do something about it. And yeah, thank you for your great work, your inspiring work, and for having accepted my invitation. Well, thanks for having me. That was fun. <laughs>